1: When God says he's going to do something, you'd best prepare for it to happen. Join us today as Pastor Rander continues and what it meant for mankind in this message, God's universal judgment. He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, you see a church rebuke. The Laodicean church. It says... I know your works; that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of what? Nothing. I don't need it. I don't need nothing. I don't need anybody. I'm all right. And do not know that you, you're talking to the church, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and what? Naked. Now that's bad off, y'all. And you know what? The Laodicean church is not a church that's by herself. Because many churches in the times in which we live Not only globally, but in this country, as we celebrate the coming Independence Day, many churches today are wretched, miserable, think they're rich and they're poor, blinded to their sins, blinded to their ways, and naked before a Jehovah God. Now turn back to Malachi chapter 3. In this particular passage, the prophet Malachi warns Israel of the imminent judgment to come. Verse 1, preparation for the Lord's coming and judgment. Look at verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will Suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now, in verse one, the prophet Malachi says God will send his what messenger who will prepare the way before me. Now, the messenger who is sent by God is none other than John the Baptist who came to prepare the way. Turn to Matthew chapter 11, verses uh, 7 through 10, and you'll see that validated so clearly. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 10, it says, As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see, y'all? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So who prepared the way before the coming of the Messiah? John the Baptist. He did his he did indeed. John prepares the way for the coming Messiah who was born in Bethlehem of Judea, uh, the house of bread uh, in the house of bread was born the bread of life. <laughs> Jesus, being I, our Emmanuel, He was God with us, so that salvation could come to us. But unfortunately, He came unto His own, and His own received Him. What? Not. Nah. He was a prophet without honor in His own town. He was the most perfect and holy example before men. Died on Calvary's cross to redeem lost humanity. From the penalty and power of sin, and yet he rose in great victory and resurrection. His first coming was as a sacrificial lamb to redeem mankind, but his second coming will be as the coming king of glory to judge the world in righteousness. He's no longer coming as a baby. He's coming as God, King of King and Lord of Lords to judge this wicked world in his holy righteousness. And his second coming will be imminent. It will be unexpected. It will be unannounced. He will come as a thief in the night to those who are apathetic. He will come as a thief in the night to those who are negligent. He will come as a thief, thief in the night for those who neglect and abuse sacred things. He will come in a thief in a night to those who have such sleepy eyes to themselves. First Thessalonians chapter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Please turn there if you can turn fast enough. If you can't turn fast, just jot it down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. It says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when he says, peace and safety, and that's what folk are forecasting. You know, we alright. We are a nation of prosperity. We are a superpower. Look at our military mind. We survive 911. We survive Katrina. It's gonna be alright. Just live and let live peace and safety and sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Look back in verse 1 of chapter 3. Also in verse 1 is the phrase, even the messenger of the covenant, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now you see messenger twice in verse 1. Do y'all see that in the text as I exegeted it? Now, this messenger is different from the first messenger uh, in the first phrase of the verse. My my messenger in the opening phrase of verse 1 is a reference to John the Baptist. But in the middle of the verse, it says, Even the messenger of the covenant. That is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who will come in judgment. Christ came. And he fulfilled the law and he ushered in a new covenant of grace. Jeremiah chapter 31, if you could turn there fast enough. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 through 34 is a profound text dealing with that new covenant. Jeremiah 31 chapter 31 verses 31 through 34. I love this. It's just sweet to my soul. Minds And write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 34, no more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord. For they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no More, no more, a reference and allusion to the new covenant ushered in by Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law perfectly and ushered in the age of grace. And you ought to be thankful to God that we are no longer under the law, but under grace. Amen. Because I tell you, those under the law, a rebellious child will be put to death. Amen. Uh, under the law y 'all would wear me out, I would have blood all over me because I would be offering up offerings for your sins, and we would you have to bring those offerings perfect. Uh, lambs without blemish and all these kind of things. But that old sacrificial system has been done away and in has come the age of grace because of Jesus Christ is the author of time. And, and if you want to know what time it is, look at Jesus. Verses two and three is the purging by the Messiah. Purging by the Messiah Verses 2 and 3 says But who can endure the day of his coming How many of y'all know Jesus is coming back again Now since Jesus is coming back again Malachi asks a question But who can endure the day of his coming And who can stand when he appears For he is like a refiner's fire And, a, and like lunderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner And a purifier of silver He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. In these two verses, judgment begins with God's people who broke the covenant with God. Malachi says, you know, judgment is not going to begin with the Hittites and the Malachites and all those other. I, I'm going to get you because I emancipated you. I redeemed you. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I, I, I set you a, 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 a apart from all the other nations so that I could be glorified through you. But she broke covenant and went a whoring out the other gods. And because Israel was so steeped in sin, Malachi asked the riveting question when judgment comes. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? Now to purge, you see, where say purge? you hear talking about purge, purge, purge. To purge is to purify. To purge is to cleanse. To purge is to wash away sins that contaminate the people of God and separate them from a holy God. And the coming of the Lord will purify. He's going, I'm going to come and I'm going to purify Israel by purging out the wicked as a refiner's fire purifies and full of soap cleanses the dross or rubbish. You know, when you use soap, the the purpose of soap is to get the dirt out. Amen. You don't take a bath without soap. You need some good soap to get that what? Dirt off. And sometimes when that Dirt shadows in deeply. You just, sometimes you can't get it out quick because it's so steeped in there. So y'all know where I'm going. So sometimes you have to let it what? There you go. You got to let it soak. And you know what? Some of us are so steeped in sin. Some of us need to just soak in the blood of Jesus Christ. Need to, need to soak in it, so that that stuff can be raised up and done away with. Oh, I remember the days before all these electric washers and all this stuff, my mama had something called a rumble. Somebody know what I'm talking about. These new folks don't know what I'm talking about, but they have. Something called a rope boat, and she would get down on her knees in that bathtub. And she would get, get and we were six of us, and she would get and put soap and stuff in it. And boom, shum, boom, shum, shum, boom. and she'd be singing while she's rumbling through those ridges. And she was, and but she had soap in it, and it was the purpose was to purify, and to cleanse, so that we would smell clean. And listen, if you're not soaking in the blood of Jesus Christ, you is just as stinky as you could be. And you're not clean in the nostrils of almighty God. He says, I'm going to come and uh, I'm going to purify as refinify does. Listen, we all like diamonds and fine, and, and fine jewelry and all these kind of things. But let me tell you something. If you go over in the Congo where all that gold and stuff is, if you take that stuff out in the raw and say, where? You say, ugh, what is this? You won't put that mess on your hand. You'll be calling something valuable mess. You know why? Because it hasn't been purged. Hasn't been refined. It hasn't been put through the fire so that the rubbish and the dross can come off so that it can sparkle and lure you to purchase it because of its sparkling beauty. But it cannot sparkle until it has first gone through the refiner's fire. And be it known to you today, we cannot sparkle for Jesus. We cannot shine like the noonday sun for Jesus until we first have gone through the refiner's fire. That's why those trials come. That's why trouble gets all in your way. (laughs) Because God ain't through with you yet. And he sends you through stuff you have no control over because he wants to get the dross off of you. He wants to get the relish off of you so that you can shine and win folk to Jesus like never before in these last days. Won't you say amen? Oh, the text says there the phrase, he will purify the sons of Levi. As God's representatives and promoters of religious life before the nation of Israel, the priests were required to lead God's people to God and to ensure that the the lives of the people were brought into conformity of the law of God. But you know what? Those old wretched priests, they were corrupt and led the people astray. Therefore, the work of purification would begin first with the priest and then spread to the whole nation. And when, when judgment comes, I, I, before I get Israel, I'm going to start with those priests. And even today, many priests, pastors, and teachers of the word of God are le- leading God's people astray. And the models in the pulpit are becoming fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer and God said preacher I'm going to get you because you weren't a good model and I'm going to get them because they've been helping themselves in sin too. You may get by but you will not get away. Verse 4 purpose of purging. Look at verse 4 purpose of purging then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the day of old as in former years that's the purpose of purging you all the purpose of God's purging his people he don't just purge to be purging he purges with a purpose it is that so our lives would be a sweet smelling aroma A sweet smelling offering of righteousness before the Lord, as it says in the last phrase of verse three, you see a purpose right there. Look at that very last phrase of verse three. It says that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. That's why he purges, because he wants us to be a righteous offering before him. A true, living, righteous sacrifice to the glory and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after the purging, according to verse four, the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord. You see there? Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be what? Pleasant to the Lord. And that's why the purging comes, so that we would be a pleasant offering like Judah and Jerusalem. God desires that his church today be a pleasant offering before the Lord. Beloved, what kind of offering are you? Are you a stinky offering? Are you pleasant to the nostrils of God? Verse 5, punishment for sin and rebellion. Punishment for sin and rebellion. Look at verse 5. And I will come near you for judgment. That's a staggering thought. You need to underline that. I'm talking about the coming day of what? Judgment. Look what it says there. Now, I didn't like the book. God did. He says, and I will come near. Not way over there where you can't have sea judgment. I'm going to bring judgment so close to you that you can't miss it. I will come near you for judgment. I will be swift. See, people, people think God won't, won't judge. He said, listen, when I come, I'm not going to be playing with you. And when I come, you're not going to know I'm coming. And when I come, it's going to be so quick. You're going to be in the midst of it. and won't even know you're in the midst of judgment. I will be a swift witness against you sorcerers. Against you adulterers, against you perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans and against those who turn away an alien because they do not what? Fear me, says the Lord of hosts. And that's what's wrong in the church today. The fear of God no longer resides in the hearts of people. That's why they can miss church when they feel like it. Come late and think they can worship healthily, very healthy. That's why they can miss communion, the Lord's supper service, knowing that you didn't die for your sins, knowing that Jesus paid it all, and then you would just look cocky and say, "I ain't coming because I don't feel like it." Or you focus on the wrong stuff and you miss. The sacraments of a holy and just God. Oh, where's the fear of God? Where is the fear of God? Can dress any kind of way, can look any kind of way, can have any old kind of attitude, can mumble and grumble under your voice and think you worship God. Where is the fear? In this verse, the prophet specifically names each violation of the law of God. Look at these, look at these violations of the law of God. Sorcery. That's witchcraft. A lot of witchcraft in the country. Voodoo. Spells. Psychics. Psychics is a hot line. It's hot all right, it's hot as hell. Why like you need a psychic when you got an all knowing God? Exodus chapter 22, verse 18. Exodus twenty-two, eighteen 18 says, You don't have to just jot it down. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. The law didn't play. All these psychics today, the if they were under the law, they'd all be put to death. Uh, B. Adultery. Whew. When someone who is married has a physical. Or an emotional relationship with someone other than their spouse. You say, well, I ain't had no sex with her. She ain't my... Yeah, but you're all emotional with her. You've gone to bed with somebody, not your wife, in your mind. That's adultery. It's already in your heart. When you're messing around with email, adultery can come through the email. Come through the cell phone. It can come, it can come through a person directly or uh, indirectly. And folk bold now. My wife and I were eating at gyms one night, just a night a week ago, and I was asking a lady about my, my meal or something. And I said, could you give help me? And she just came, put her arm around, just sat right next to me. Just as flirtation as you look at, I said, boy, she flirty. My wife said, She sure is. Nothing, nothing came and just sit right. I said, Now y'all they must be testing me. <laughs> And my wife is right there. Can see if she what there? She's right. Folks don't care about your wife or your husband. I'm gonna tell you something. else. They don't even care about this ring. Amen. When they want you, they want to conquer. Won't y'all say, Amen? Don't look at me like that. Talking about no. no, Don't nobody want my man. You just keep thinking that. Don't nobody want my woman. (laughs) You just keep thinking that. Satan's busy. And he don't care how long you've been married. Exodus 20, 14 says you shall not commit adultery. Exodus 20, 14. Then false swearing, false swearing. False swearing describes people who commit perjury by lying under oath. This violates the third commandment. You shall not take the the name of the Lord thy God in vain. When you put your hand on that Bible, and say, I promise to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me. God, you ought to be telling the truth and not lying on God's sacred word. Amen? This false swearing also involves the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. It's all related to that. Leviticus 19.12, just jot it down. You can't turn that fast. Leviticus 19.12 says, and you shall not swear by my name falsely. You gonna use my name. The scripture said, you better be telling the truth. And I'm going to tell you something else. You all not be swearing frivolously on God. I promise to God, so help me die. Uh, 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 what is that? So help me die, hope I die, something. Yeah, but thank God for grace because you'd be dead. <laughs> and you shall not swear by my name. You all not be saying, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Ooh, I mean, just kind of saying. And just don't mean it. No reverential fear uh or awe. None so ever. It says, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. In that text it says withholding wages. That's a willful failure to pay for services rendered. Somebody cut your yard, you don't tell them next week when it's in your ability to pay right now. I'm just using that as an analogy. I mean, you pay uh, folk when they render a quality service. Now, if they're not doing right, then you deal with those issues and negotiate in the spirit. Amen. Leviticus 19, 13 says you shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. Pay him what you owe him. Sometimes you got to pay him when they ain't worth paying. Sometimes your testimony have to arrive. He said, well, you didn't do this job well enough, but I'm going to give you anyway because of the God in me. Because I want to give you Jesus. And that's mercy. I'm giving you what you don't deserve. Have you ever given somebody what they don't deserve? You ought to sometimes. God gave you what you didn't deserve. And me too, amen. I ain't giving them nothing. You know, and what what if God said that to you? Won't you say amen? As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas. Or call us at 210 821 5683.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.